answers. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. It's called being a professional. They're, they're, they're going to do that. They're going to be a pro. Curtis Samuel lined up out wide, taking some shots over the top, running a little what they call a little depot route. Welcome into another edition of According to Carp. I'm your host, Bobby Carpenter, and uh, a long, exhaustive week for everybody coming off this election cycle, very tight, hotly contested race. So, you know, after watching the Indians all week, the previous three, four weeks, being exhausted Tuesday, Wednesday night, thought finally this is my chance to get some of my weeknights back outside of Monday night football and then Thursday night with college games and NFL. You know, Friday night football, which has you know, finally come to a conclusion uh, for my dad's team at Lancaster that I help out with. But you still have Saturdays, Sundays, you have so much. You're trying to get some of these days back here before the holiday. And then you, you throw an election night on there on Tuesday. Long night, I think a lot longer than anybody anticipated. So you know, I was struggling yesterday trying to put all this together, rewatch a lot of the high state game and you know, break down a lot of these other games that have been going on, trying to figure out exactly uh, what happened, what went wrong, what went right in this last weekend of college football. And pretty big weekend. A lot of exciting stuff. I mean, outside of Ohio State taking care of business, uh, you know, Oklahoma continues to roll on. And I think that's something that's uh, very important to watch for Ohio State because, you know, should they, I don't know if it, getting them being a two-loss team, they'd be able to slide in, but it's only going to bolster their resume and potentially getting that second or third seed so that they wouldn't have to play Alabama in the Peach Bowl. They could go out to the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona, much friendlier environment, avoid Bama to the national championship. You know, of course, looking far ahead. But Oklahoma, the Sooners rolling on at 7-2. and two, And I said a long time ago, I thought the Sooners would win the Big 12. And, you know, thankfully for me, they've been proving me right here in recent weeks. They've been looking good. Baylor's falling off, TCU's falling off, West Virginia, you know, had their first loss, you know, so that's that's big, and, you know, I think they're kind of starting to roll here, so that they got their tough games coming up as well as the season finishes out, but Baker Mayfield has that, that crew rolling, and Bob Stoops is doing a good job. You want to look out west a little bit, too, uh, with everything that's going on there, because I think that that's another important place, you know, Washington, we'll get into the rankings here a little bit, Washington was ranked fourth, you know, A&M falls back. They slide in. They're an undefeated team in a power conference out in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 isn't great this year. You know, they've only got a handful of teams ranked. I believe Washington State's rounding out the top 25. You've got Colorado. Mike McIntyre doing a great job out there. I'm so happy for him. You know, he's uh, he was on the staff when I was there in Dallas and just a terrific coach and has really turned around that program. And then I believe you have Utah, who Washington beat earlier in the season. Now, Colorado and Utah are both in the south of the Pac-12, so they're both leading it right now. Colorado controls their own destiny, just got another win against UCLA, and they're sitting at 15th. So they would probably be the team that Washington would play if they hold serve. And the question is, I mean, Washington, should they lose a game? And even if they don't lose, I mean, they're going to have some, you know, it's going to be hotly contested. They're going to need the team they play to be as good as possible. So if you're a Big Ten fan, you know, Michigan fan, Louisville fan, you know, maybe even a fan of potentially Auburn, whoever people think could possibly slide in as maybe a, a non-conference champ into the college football playoff. It's going to be important to watch 
you know, not only Washington, but watch Colorado and watch Utah as well, because those will most likely be the two teams that come in. And then Washington plays USC this week, who, you know, could up, could upset them. You know, I mean, that, that could happen. People are calling for. I, I don't think that that will. Washington looks good, but I don't think the Pac-12 is great. Now, looking uh, to some of the big games on Saturday. Bama LSU, Ed Orgeron, chance if he wins this game, I think he almost solidifies his job because, number one, it's a huge win. Number two, I think it means that his team is good enough to, to probably go 3-1 and one down the stretch. Now, they didn't win the game. They lost to Alabama by 10, which is one of the, I think, the tightest margin of victory Bama's had all year. So he does that. But the problem is, the, when Les Miles was there, they couldn't score any points. And they couldn't court, score any points against good teams like Bama. That really didn't change. So, and I, I know some of us, you know, you got Danny Etling starting a quarterback. I mean, they're not great. And, you know, it's kind of a fluke touchdown they gave up to Jalen Hurts busting run in, in the fourth quarter there. And they won the game 10 nothing. You know, LSU had shots at field goals. I mean, they could have very easily won this game. I mean, I'd like to see Ed Orgeron get the job. I, I think that he's a pretty good coach. I think he'd be able to be a good recruiter. I think he's smart enough to know to bring in, you know, a top flight OC, a guy that will mix it up. They'll utilize that talent that they have down there in Baton Rouge because they got a lot of good players in the state of Louisiana. They'll continue to bring them in, and they just have to have somebody that can be a maestro. They need a quarterback there, but then they also need somebody that can coach and develop quarterbacks because you can't tell me they start bringing all these high-profile guys, and they bring them in at quarterback too, and they just can't develop them. So to me, I think a lot of the problem is Cam Cameron and maybe some of the problem, Brandon Harris and some of the other quarterbacks that rolled through, but I really think that it's stuck with the coach. Michigan destroys Maryland. Clemson destroys Syracuse. Nothing to see there. A&M, you know, who sitting there in the four spot, you know, shocking everybody, the fact that they're ranked there. You know, what do they do? They go out and prove the committee right, don't they? Play well, look like they deserve to hold on to that four spot for another week, regardless of what Washington does, because their strength of schedule is terrible, and A&M's is decent. You know, their one loss was to the best team in the country, even though it wasn't a great loss. And, you know, they lose... They lose Trevor Knight, their quarterback, for the season, which is going to hurt. I think Kevin Sumlin will be safe. I mean, they've been playing really well this year, unless they have some sort of just abysmal tailspin that is complemented by off-the-field issues. I think that's the only way that he could get get bumped out of there. They lose to Mississippi State. So, I mean, their dreams are done. You know, they were four, but they had no chance of playing in the SEC championship unless Bama lost two games. So now the only other team that, in theory, controls their own destiny in the SEC outside of Bama is Auburn. So they'll have a chance to get it done. Washington, like I said, they slay Cal. They're, they're playing well. And Louisville handles Boston College. Wisconsin beating Northwestern, you know, couple that with the Nebraska loss. Wisconsin now controls their own destiny. They're sitting there at eight. And they went out. They'll most likely win the, they'll win the West. They'll be the representative for uh, the Big Ten West. You know, probably play Ohio State or Michigan or maybe even Penn State, who, you know, Penn State got another big win. Uh, looked very good, and James Franklin, his job is looking really good. I mean, they, they smacked Iowa. It was at home, it was at night, but they came in and beat him up pretty good, and you know, they're sitting now at 10, I believe. Wisconsin might even be 7. And, you know, it's it's looking good. The Big Ten has four teams ranked, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Wisconsin being Northwestern, they control their own destiny now. Couple that with, you know, the, the loss by Nebraska. And, you know, those were really kind of the big games in college football this week and kind of how it is going to affect everything in the future going forward. Uh, now we can talk a little bit about Ohio State and Nebraska, a game that, you know, 
Ohio State was kind of in the fog for two weeks. They lost to Penn State. They stayed in the fog against Northwestern. Really didn't play well offensively. You know, defensively gave up some things, but played better. Played much better on defense than on offense. The one thing you could say in the Northwestern game is Ohio State's offensive line really came out and played well. So that was something to build. I look at, try to break it down, you know, by different parts. The line played well. You can take that, work with it, and move on. Some of the things from this game, though, line continued to play well, so I like to see that. JT Barrett lined up under center. Something that Urban Meyer just said is something they just don't do. He lined up under center and was able to have success. You know, they run a little jet uh, jet sweep to um, Curtis Samuel. Love that. Getting him involved in a multitude of ways. But here's the thing with Ohio State. They've, their offensive line's been blocking well. Mike Weber's a little nicked up. You know, and Curtis Samuel, they try to give him the ball in a variety of ways, but you've got to be creative with it. And the one thing that I saw is they started getting a little more creative formationally and where they line guys up. And that's big because, it, you know, lining, you know, going two receivers one side, tight end receiver the other side, back with the tight end, back on the other side, opposite of the tight end. I mean, that's kind of what they are, three by one, three receivers to one receiver, tight end backside. I mean, those things are, are fine. It's all semantics. But it's really the splits. You see, beginning to see some bunches. You know, getting to see a little bit of motion. And those are things that defensively you have to think about. And if you're playing a lot of man, then it's also going to affect. If you're playing zone, maybe or maybe it forces you into zone, and you're not really a zone team. And if you're a zone team, it may affect the type of zone that you play. And you know, whether you're playing you know, more of a cover three look or a cover two look, you know, depending on where guys line up. And that's the second piece is Curtis Samuel lined up out wide, taking some shots over the top, running a little what they call a little depot route, which, uh, or actually a topper. They run you know the number two receiver up about 10, 10 yards, stop him, and quarters coverage, it's tough. The safety pulls down. Now you have the corner one-on-one with the wide out, with outside leverage on the top. He's running a post. The corner's trailing. You saw uh, Curtis Samuel have that open. I mean, it was there. It was there. It was underthrown a little bit. You know, I think he drew a PI on that. You know, so that's one. You know, they're, they're running another play. You call a depot route, a takeoff or a nine route seam streak route by the guy on the outside. The inside receiver runs a post on the safety. Very, very difficult to cover. But they're pushing the ball down the field and they were moving Curtis around where he go, where his position was. Sometimes line him wide. Sometimes line him in the slot. And I loved it because it, it's tough for a defense. Now you have to start thinking this is something different. We haven't seen this before. And now hopefully to take it to the next level is, next transition for me is, okay, now you've got Noah Brown. You've got Marcus Ball, guys like that. You know, tight end. And Marcus Ball played well. I mean, they found the tight end. He had some big catches earlier in the game and was still in doubt. You know, kept the chains moving. And move those guys. Put Curtis Samuel on the inside. Put Noah Brown sometimes at the number three receiver closest to the quarterback. You know, you can get different matchups. And... By doing that, you'll be able to have more success. So I think that those things are beginning to happen now for Ohio State. They're starting to you know, move guys around, and they're getting comfortable in the offense. And then the other piece of it, while JT Baird still didn't look great throwing the ball down the field, you know, some of his timing, rhythm, throwing a good, accurate ball. I mean, I've seen him do it in the past, so I know that he can. I think almost sometimes that stuff kind of gets in your head now, and you start pressing, you start straining a little, and then... You know, it just you're pressing it's not natural. Probably the best thing that will happen to JT is he's going to have to chuck one deep against Michigan under some pressure and throw it in a tight window 
and then you just, you know, just, they call it, see a guy, let it fly. And you know, I think he'll probably have to do that. And you, you don't think as much about it. You know it's not a, a deep play that's called. Or maybe you are thinking about it. But by the time it, you know, it happens, there's a million other things that you're worried about. So that's, that's the last thing is, is getting it deep, throwing it, and, and just letting it rip. So that's big. That's something that's exciting to see. Um, and you know, JT's performance in the game I thought was good. He had that he had an over route on the first series to Dontre Wilson. You know, he's throwing from a phone booth, steps up in the pocket while it's collapsing. And that's not easy for a quarterback to do, especially college quarterbacks. You see guys in the NFL all the time. It's one of the most difficult things NFL coaches talk about having to teach young young QBs is stepping up in the pocket, not trying to escape out the back. JT stepped up, pockets collapsing around him, and he was able to thread that needle on a nice dart on a third and 20 to Dontre. The nice pass there. So very, very impressive. I think he's really stepping up and beginning to play well. Now they just start to need some of the other receivers to come along and throw a fade to Benjamin Victor like that. Big, tall, athletic guy. Just because he didn't catch it doesn't mean it wasn't a good look. So keep getting those guys out there, pushing them out, and you get a 62-3 to victory. And that's something that I don't know if anybody expected. I certainly didn't. I thought Ohio State would probably bring up 38 points. Nebraska's D was all right. Their offense would be able to control the ball some, maybe score 13. I mean, I know Tommy Armstrong getting knocked out probably helped the situation for Ohio State, but I mean, it's 24 to three when that happened. I mean, the, the Buckeyes were rolling. They were, they were rolling. And they, they were showing a little bit of tempo too, and that's probably one of the last things that I liked is when you start playing a little bit faster pace, and it's easier to do that when you're getting positive yards. I understand that guys are running downhill. It's easier to call you know a quicker uh, you know hurry up offense with a quicker play call on second and two than it is on second and twelve or second and ten. So they really have positive yardage plays. But Ohio State is beginning to do that stuff again, and they're beginning to look good doing it. So, and they're beginning to develop a little bit of poise around it. I think these young offensive linemen who are really the key. They're really the key. Jamarco Jones, Isaiah Prince, and Michael Jordan to a lesser extent because he's inside. Those guys are the keys. If they can go out and play well. And sometimes they're going to need help. You get a chip. You get a hang tight end. I mean, those things will help take some pressure off. But when those guys are playing confident, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And they are. They're starting to get pushed at the point of attack. You feel good about it. And you start to demoralize teams and take them out of the game. And that's something that, gosh, I mean, it, it, it's a great feeling to watch. And it's unbelievable. And probably one of the biggest catalysts of that, you know, getting that momentum. Is you got a night game. It's at, well, they've had a lot of night games all on the road so far. Three in the road, one at home, the last one. Finally get Nebraska on the ro- at home at night. Playing a top 10 team. Coming off you know a mediocre game the week before. And you get a pick six there right at the beginning. You were talking about getting the crowd involved, getting them fired up. I mean, how do you do that? That's how. You get those guys rolling. You give the fans something to cheer about, and that's what happened. And when you do that, the offense feeds off the defense. The offense feeds off the fans. The defense feeds off the fans. The defense feeds off the offense because they know they're getting well-rested. Offense scores, come in, get a three and out, get a turnover, heck, even score on it. I mean, those things all work together. Now, Nebraska was putting together a little bit of, drive, of a drive when Tommy Armstrong went down, and maybe they cut that thing to 24-10 or maybe 24-6. You know, you're not sure. But the Silver Bullet defense was rocking again, man, turning the football over, making plays, scoring with the ball, Sam Hubbard playing well, the linebackers played well, and 
know, when you only give up six points, it's, it's really hard to look at a lot of things and think, wow, these guys need to step up. I mean, they did a pretty good job, and they got a lot of guys in. You know, and that's, that's something that's going to be important now because you're getting to the end of the season. Guys get nicked up. There'll be times where guys will have to come in for a play or two. And, you know, the last three weeks here, you got Maryland, you got Michigan State, and then team up north, Michigan coming to town. And you got the Big Ten Championship, hopefully. So it's four games here at the end of the season. It's cold, guys get sick, they get busted up. You have no idea when you're going to need a guy. And so that's why I think it's huge to have those guys up, ready to go, ready to play. And you do that by getting them reps in a real game. It may be a blowout, but it's still important to see. It's still important to feel. So Silver Bullet defense, Luke Fickle, Greg Schiano, they're doing a terrific job. You know, the one thing that you look at here is you're trying to figure out Dante Booker, he's apparently healthy. His knee's ready to go now. And when you have Jerome Baker playing so well, how does that affect? Do you try to redshirt Booker? And, you know, Urban said, you know, he's talked about that. Luke Fickle said he has a meeting with Booker every week. Because when you're playing for a national championship, it's all hands on deck. So while Book may want to get that year back, I think he also would want to be on the field if his team needed him, you know, to come in and play significant time. But it's tough to try to throw a guy in there and you're trying to figure out what's significant. You know, the guy, you know, rolled his ankle. I mean, can he come in for a play, two plays? I mean, do you want to waste a whole year on that? But these guys, they, uh, I mean, they're ready to go. And Books is ready to go. I think he might end up redshirting him, but he will be ready. He will be ready to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if he blew his redshirt having to come in a game when someone gets hurt. If Jerome Baker or something happens, even Raekwon, I mean, I think he's the next guy up. And they have four good backers, and that is a huge luxury. Now, looking at the college football playoff rankings, Bama number one, obviously. Clemson and Michigan sitting in there, two and three, whatever. It's semantics at this point. Uh, Washington is at four. They're at four, they said, because they had a tougher schedule. Even though they had a loss, you know, they've beaten some good teams. Or Washington's at four because they uh, they now because they won. A&M was at four because they allegedly had a tougher schedule. You know, they'd beaten some good teams. Everybody thought, okay, you know, they, I think they had beat Auburn earlier in the season, lost to Bama. You know, this team looks better. So we're going to put them ahead of Washington. So now Ohio State has a win against the number – what is Oklahoma currently ranked now? Oklahoma is currently ranked 11th. Wisconsin's currently ranked 7th. So you have a 7 win and 11 win. Your only loss is to number 10 Penn State in the game. You had a field goal blocked, a punt blocked. I mean, the field goal blocked for a touchdown even. And you lose a game by three points on the road at night. It's what people deem as the number 10 team. You've got a pretty good body work, but yet somehow Ohio State doesn't jump Washington even though Washington beat Cal, who isn't very good, they slide up Washington. And I, I look, I have no problem with it. I think that's the way to do it. I think it's perfect for Ohio State. They're laying in the weeds. They're lurking. And the bottom line is these rankings don't matter anyway. I don't care who they have in the top four or five. As long as you're within like the top six or seven and you have a chance to play in your conference championship game, they have shown that none of this stuff matters until you get to the conference championship game anyway. If you win your conference championship, and you're, de- you're a good team with zero or one losses and playing a good conference, more likely than not, you're getting in. You know, the one exception to that was, what, the TCU-Baylor year that Ohio State went, and they had one loss. So the Big Ten's strong. They're going to send somebody regardless. Bama's most likely going to go unless Auburn beats them, and maybe then Auburn goes. And Auburn's ranked ninth now. So, I mean, there's a... Uh, 
there's a lot of pathways for a lot of teams. So it's, that's why I look at this like it doesn't matter now because they almost always take the conference champs. Now this year could be, you know, the year where it all changes, that they take, you know, two teams from one conference. You know, I mean, that, that, that's very possible. Or maybe they take a team that's a, from only one team from a conference that's not a conference champ. You know, if you have a two- or three-loss team that knocks off Bama from the west to the east, if you know, I don't even know who's over there, Florida or Tennessee, I don't even know who's in the hunt to win it. Florida knocks off Bama. I mean, are they going to go? Probably not. Bama's, maybe Bama still goes. Maybe Auburn goes. I have no idea. But I think this could be the year just because I don't think there's a lot of great teams. There's not a lot of teams out there that you look at and think, man, you feel really good about these guys. They look really good. Solid squad. Making some noise. Like It just it just isn't true this year. You have a Big Ten of four teams in the top ten. With Ohio State, Michigan at three, Ohio State at five, Wisconsin at seven, Penn State at ten. And after a loss, Nebraska only dropping to 19. So not the worst thing in the world. I mean, they for getting shellacked by, oh man, 50 points or whatever it was. I mean, they slide nine spots down at 7-2. I mean, I don't think they're a great team. I think they're going to get left out of the conference championship. But, I mean, that's that says something. You know, the Big 12 has Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia at 16. I mean, that, that's all they're rolling with there. I mean, the Big 10 is, when you look at it, is the most well-represented conference. And you look at the, AC, the SEC, you've got Bama. Well, ACC, you've got Louisville at 6, Clemson at 2. But in the SEC, you've got Bama at 1. You have A&M at 6, Auburn, or A&M at 8, Auburn at 9. And then you don't have another SEC team, I don't think, ranked at all. LSU, Arkansas, 24-25. So some of these conferences are a little top-heavy. So I think the Big Ten's got as good a case as anybody this year to be able to go out there and show what they can do. And, you know, James Franklin, if somehow he slides in, that'd be a heck of a deal for him. And I know the Penn State faithful, this is what they've been waiting for, kind of a return to glory. The fact that they were ranked 12th in the first poll and 10th in the next, I mean, they're probably going to win out, so they'll most likely be in the top 10. It's just a question of, you know, can they get some help from Michigan, which I know Ohio State fans hope that Michigan wins out and creates that three-way tie. That way Ohio State has a chance to win and get in to the Big Ten Championship. Uh, some of the bigger games going on this week, obviously to keep an eye on, you know, cruising through West Virginia, you know, traveling to Texas at noon. Texas has been playing a little bit better, five and four. Not much there. Baylor at Oklahoma. I mean, this Baylor six and two. They fell out of the rankings, but Oklahoma's eleven. This is going to be Oklahoma's first big test in a while. They're seventeen and a half point favorites. You know, Baylor just seems to be in a tailspin though. I mean, Shock Linwood, their running back, is suspended. You're not sure what you're getting of them out there. It's in Oklahoma. If this was in Waco, I might say that they have a chance to cover that. But I think Oklahoma, I think they take care of the, take care of Baylor, and I think they win that thing by more than 17. Get it done. Mississippi State, Bama, I mean, coming off a big win at A&M. They're traveling to Tuscaloosa. They don't have it. Penn State at, Mich- at Indiana. The Hoosiers have been playing better. The Penn State is only a seven-point favorite now. Indiana's defense is good. This is the one game, I think, that you know, Ohio State fans could put you at ease. Penn State loses another game, which this could be it. Then they're good. But they have Michigan State and someone else that's not great to round out the season. But this is the last game I think they could lose. I think they win it. 
I think Indiana keeps it tight, though. I think I think Indiana covers. I think it'll be a tight a tight win. Ohio State at Maryland. I mean, I'd like to talk a lot about this game, but I mean, Maryland's just not very good. You know, they're struggling. They're five and four, two and four in the Big Ten. I wish he was a twenty-nine point favorite. I think they cover every bit of that. I, mean, I would almost put it at thirty-five. I don't know if it'll be quite a Nebraska game, but they're going to roll it up. It's a three-thirty game, and I can't believe it's even that. Clemson at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh started off the season good. Pitt was nice, but they've struggled a lot. Clemson probably covers the 20-point line on that. Louisville's going to beat up Wake Forest. I mean, it's not really that big of an eventful weekend. You know, if you're in the SEC, you have LSU, Arkansas, you know, Bielema and Ogeron. Those guys are kind of fighting for their jobs a little bit. I mean, I think Bielema's done a good job, and they like him there, but you got to start winning. You can't just be in the close games. You've got to win the close games. And you know, at Orgeron, this is a game he's got to win. They've got a rematch with Florida, the makeup game they'll have to have here, I think, the week after or two after that. I mean, it's going to be a pretty tight schedule, and Ed Orgeron's going to have to win. USC at Washington is a game that I think could be good. Some people are calling for the USC upset. They're eight and a half point dogs. Washington hasn't played anybody, and this is one of the few teams in the Pac 12 that I think has at least as much talent as Washington, if not more. I think USC covers it. I think this is a close. Eh, no, I don't. I think it's close, but close being 10 points, not 7. I think Washington pulls away a little bit at the end, but, you know, it's. I think somehow. I think Washington wins it. I, I just don't think USC has enough juice. And then Michigan at Iowa. It's a game that people. I thought maybe Iowa could give them a game early in the year, but at 5 and 4 and getting smoked by Penn State on the road. I just don't think that they have all that much to give now at this point. So, big week, presidential election, a lot of stuff that was going on. You know, Now, moving forward with everything, football season is rounding into form, and by Thanksgiving, all this stuff's going to be firmed up. After this week, you got really got a couple weeks left before you get into your conference championships and you know, seeing what can happen. There should be a lot of big games and rivalry week at, week at the end of the season. you got Thanksgiving, a lot going on. So, very, very exciting time. And uh, thank you for tuning into this edition of Courting Carp. I always appreciate it. I am your humble host, Bobby Carpenter, trying to give you a little bit of an edge, talk about what happened and what will happen, you know, in college football and Ohio State football each and every week. So continue to listen. You can find it on my tweet it out on my Twitter handle every week at bcarp3, bobbycarpenter.com, at Stitcher, on iTunes. Find a way to listen to it. Rate it if you want. And uh, until next time, take it easy.